This is Consequence, true stories about false things, presented by the James Randi Educational Foundation. I'm Brian Thompson. On Consequence, we talk to real people about how they've been harmed by pseudoscience, superstition, and paranormal claims. Today I'm talking to Joe, who grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Now, most of us know Jehovah's Witnesses as those people who walk around our neighborhoods knocking on our doors. But Joe says there's also an embrace of pseudoscience in the religion that may not be entirely healthy. How would you describe the Jehovah's Witnesses to someone who is only familiar with them as the people that come knocking on your door at at weird and inopportune times? (laughs) Um, Well, I mean... when you look at Jehovah's Witnesses on the surface, um, from an, as an outsider, they definitely seem strange just because, uh, you know, we didn't celebrate holidays or birthdays or that sort of thing. Um, but they seem like nice people other than that. And for the most part, they are. Um, the members of the organization are, you know, they're fairly normal people on the surface again. <laughs> um, but, you know, when it... And, and because of that, growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, um, I never really noticed anything being out of place um, when I was younger. Um, so when, you know, when I was, you know, until I was probably 16 years old, um, everything just seemed fine and, and normal to me. Um, but looking back, uh, that's when I start to see the, the breakdown, basically, and, and just how strange my life was. Um, you know, I, I think I've, I've mentioned to you, um, when I sent you an email that, uh, I was homeschooled, uh, raised in this and with around alternative medicine and these sorts of things. Um, and I could see now looking back just how, you know, different and strange my life was. And, uh, I I, honestly, I don't know if it was a, a result of the religion or if it was just a result of my upbringing. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure which influenced which more. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, what sort of intersection is there between Jehovah's Witnesses as a religious group and this exposure to sort of pseudoscientific alternative medicine stuff that that you got as a kid? Was this from your parents or was this from the faith? Uh, it was definitely from my parents, but it, it seems, it's. I, I've always, when I started thinking about this, it seems to me that uh, the religion lends itself to people that believe in pseudoscience. Um, it's s- such a leap, uh, the things that Jehovah's Witnesses believe, that uh, you, I think, I think it just becomes easier to accept things that don't make sense. Mm. <laughs> um, it, the, I, I, to this day, I don't know what it is that sparked this, this um, interest in homeopathy and chiropractic, uh, chiropractic care, uh, and reflexology and all these things that uh, my mother got into. Um, it may be that it came from my grandmother. She's always been into this this sort of uh, alternative medicine, if you want to call it medicine. Um, but I I haven't I, I didn't see it in a, in a lot of other witnesses at the time. Um, I, I, well, that's not entirely true. I guess there were there were a number of people like right around surrounding my family. Um, that, that were into the reflexology. There were a couple of friends of the family that got into it. Um, we had reflexology sessions and that sort of thing. But it, it didn't seem to be like a, a widespread epidemic within the religion. It was just concentrated on, on 
my family and direct friends of our family. Is, um, is it true that this is a very family-focused religion? I mean, is it true that, that Jehovah's Witnesses sort of limit contact with non-Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, absolutely. I, I, to say that it's a family-focused religion, I, I think, is a complete misnomer. Um, they like to come off as though they are. Um, they want you to spend a lot of time with your immediate family and and, and that sort of thing. But typically the suggestions are um, you need to study the Bible. You need to be um, constantly teaching your children about Jehovah. That's, you know, who they think God's name is. Um, it, it's But when it comes to family members that aren't believers, aren't uh, witnesses, you are supposed to limit your contact with them. So I think it actually drives wedges in, in families. Uh, my family is one of the most uh, scattered uh, group of individuals I've ever met. I, I don't even know, I would say more than half of my family. I, I don't know most of the people on my dad's side of the family. I don't even know their names. Um, I've heard them mentioned here or there, but it's just people that I've never even met. They were, they were nobody to me. Um, the ones on my mother's side of the family I knew more of uh, just because they were witnesses. But even when I look at it, I, I only knew a few of the non-witnesses um, on my, mo- my mother's side of the family. Now, my immediate family, my mom, my dad, my sister, we were all very close um, up until I decided to leave. Some people might be familiar with this Jehovah's Witness doctrine. I think it's a Jehovah's Witness doctrine about uh, blood transfusions. Is that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So blood transfusions are frowned upon, um, not just frowned upon, but you'll actually get uh, what they call disfellowshipped for it, which is kicked out of the um, organization. Uh, They don't call it a church, so that would be a misnomer. But they they kick you out of the organization and they... um, they, they disfellowship you. You're not supposed to have contact with your family members or any other members of the, of the congregation. Um, blood transfusions, it goes to, uh, there's a chapter in Acts. I believe it's Acts 15. I should know this, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be excommunicated if you can't come up with this right now. Um, it, I believe it was in Acts chapter 15. Uh, Paul says, um, keep abstaining from blood. Uh, it's that one that one small scripture, they've taken it to mean um, you can't eat it, you can't uh, inject it into your body, you can't store your own blood for future use, um, you can't donate blood. Uh, they, it, it's such a literal interpretation that um, they actually think, uh, they actually liken it to rape. They, wow. People say um, to take a blood transfusion would be just like getting raped for me. Uh, it, it pollutes my body, and it's something I don't want. Uh, there's there's people that fight legal battles over this to let themselves or their children die because they think that they're not going to achieve uh, eternal life on Earth if they uh, are to accept a blood transfusion. It's ridiculous. Wow. So I guess it's fair to say that Jehovah's Witnesses are staunchly anti-vampire? <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> it's funny. It depends, depends on... Uh, how indoctrinated of a witness uh, uh, you are, but most likely you won't watch anything that has to do with vampires, not just because of that, but because they are considered demonic. Oh, right. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. You're making a joke, but it it's seriously is. <laughs> yeah. So, um, though that's, I guess you could maybe file that under superstition, not necessarily pseudoscience, um, but you said that your family had as your like primary family practitioner uh, a homeopath and chiropractor, both? 
Yeah, this guy was strange. Um, I guess I won't say his name because I, I'm not sure how you know that works legally. I'm not even sure if he's still practicing. Uh, but yeah, he was based in Illinois. Um, uh, very, very odd guy. Before this, before uh, we decided to talk today, I started thinking back to it and trying to relive the experiences. <clears throat> and I remember one time in my life um, when I was really sick. Um, I mean, extremely ill for months and. I I don't I I don't really remember much about that in particular, but I do remember the stories from my mom, and she said you know they weren't sure what was wrong with me, so they take me to the doctor. Well, the doctor, I, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me, but mm-hmm. um, he like like he's pointed out, he was a homeopath and a chiropractor. So we would go to this guy, and uh, he. So I'm, I I have no idea if this is something that most chiropractors make you do. Um, but you would have to actually completely disrobe and wear a gown, like a, a hospital gown. Um, so this guy would, he would like do massage therapy on your back and adjust your spine. The, whatever, I forget what they call that. Um, and then he would also use like a, um, I believe it was called a compass or, or something along these lines where it was a, uh, like a long cord with a weight on the end of it. And you'd have to stand there. Well, he would open up the back of your robe and line up this this string against your back to see like how straight your back was. You had to keep your eyes closed and like how much you swayed was supposed to uh, determine how out of alignment your back was. It was ridiculous. Um, so that was one that was one thing he would do. But he would also um, prescribe if <laughs> he would prescribe uh, homeopathic medicine. And I remember when I was very sick, we had to go to him, and he he gave me like iron pills. He decided that I had um, Epstein Barr virus and that I was um, uh, iron deficient. And he took a bunch of blood samples as well, which is very odd to me. And here's the funniest part about this: he said, "Whatever you do, don't tell anyone that I diagnosed him with Epstein Barr virus, or I could lose my license." Oh, that's what you want to hear from a doctor. I remember that pretty vividly. The rest of it, it, it's it's kind of a blur. I was pretty young, but um, I definitely remember my mom driving that into my head. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I had a red flag for her right there, uh, if, if the witchcraft wasn't. But um, it, it just it, it was ridiculous. And I remember going to him as my primary care physician <laughs> for years, and it, it was just so odd. It was thinking back to it. It's so, such an odd thing. And and later in life, I mean, we moved to using regular doctors, and I we, I did visit pediatricians here or there, um, but this was the main guy that my mom chose to use. I mean, she really bought hard into the uh, homeopathy. Yeah, was, I guess I should, we should say really quickly for for anybody who may not be aware of it. I think a lot of people may. Uh, their familiarity with chiropractic is just something that you go to when you're having back pain. And a lot of chiropractors are basically just physical therapists. Uh, but um, the origins of chiropractic are as this vitalist uh, pseudoscience, basically the belief that every illness in your body uh, can be traced back to misalignments, what they call subluxations in your spine. And uh, so that's why there are chiropractors who say that they can treat everything from Epstein-Barr to cancer uh, by adjusting your back. Um, so you said you were really ill. Um, obviously, you're fine now. Um, did you did you seek any eventually seek any actual treatment for this illness, or did it just pass? 
Uh, no, I, I mean, I guess the uh, spinal adjustments worked, right? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> well, case closed. <laughs> yeah, no, I got better. Um, but, I mean, there, there's no doubt in my mind that it didn't come from him. Uh, these giant horse pills that I had to take. Oh, I had inflamed lymph nodes, um, according to him, which I don't doubt because I had pretty large lumps on the side of my neck that he would tell my mom to press on. I just remembered this, actually, while I was talking to you. Um, and she would have to press on these to drain the lymph nodes, probably making me sicker in the process. I don't, I don't know how that could be a good thing to do. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a legit uh, medical, pre- uh, medical you know, thing that you're supposed to do. I have no idea. But uh, that, I remember pretty distinctly laying on the ground and her having to press on my neck in these spots. Mm. Um, I, I have no idea. I, to this day, I don't know what I had. I've, I've mentioned it to doctors. I mean... I've had plenty of blood tests on and things like that, and I I have no you know diseases or anything like that. So I I have no clue what was wrong with me back then. But yeah, I got better. Have you ever <laughs> talked to your parents about this and about why they went to this guy? I mean, you said that you, they eventually took you to actual medical practitioners. Um, why why did they make the change? Have they ever mentioned that at all? I mean, my mom's kind of a, a person that contradicts herself quite often, and I don't think that she ever looked at what he did as being out of the ordinary. I mean, I think she thought that that homeopathy was legitimate medicine. I don't, I, I, I don't think that back then she really did her research or her studies. It's possible she did. But yeah, I, I have talked to her about it. I, I don't know. I still don't know the reasoning for going to him. Um, I, maybe he was cheap. Honestly, I'm not really sure. But I, because we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Um, but later in life, I mean, I, we, like I said, we went to regular doctors here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like that was her, her go-to choice. Uh, honestly, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the deal was there. Yeah. How isolated were you as somebody who is homeschooled growing up and, and belonging to this rigid religion that is, um, kind of small and, and a little bit mysterious to most people? Yeah, very isolated. I mean, I would have answered this differently years ago. Um, my standard answer when people would ask me that, because I, I was kind of an edge case, um, being homeschooled my entire life, um, all the way through high school. Uh, not a lot of witnesses did that. Um, my cousins did, and again, close family friends of ours, same people that were into the homeopathy and all that. Um, they were homeschooled. But I, so uh, I, the, the question came up often. Um, I, I only had friends, first of all, I'll answer this part. I only had friends within the organization, mm-hmm. um, within the religion. You're not allowed to have friends outside, uh, no association with the world, they call it. Um, so it would come up even amongst the people I knew, the kids I knew in the congregation here and there. Um, and the answer I always gave them was, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's not that strange. I've had, um, you know, association with, you know, all of you guys, you know, you're my friends. It's not that weird, you know, and I would always play it down. And then when I got into my adult years and I started going to work, um, and I, I went to college briefly, um, it came up again and I would always tell people, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. I always had friends growing up. They were, you know, because of the, the, the church, I would, t- I would dumb it down for them. Uh, so I thought, um, you know, they, they, they were my buddies and they understood and it was all fine. The thing is I answer differently now. And I say I was very segregated because 
I was obviously in a bubble. I was, I was, it was me and my sister. She was also homeschooled um, during the day. And then my friends who were from the congregation any other time, you know, any, any time they had friends over, I had zero exposure to the outside world. Uh, it was, it was whatever my mom wanted to, my, my mom and dad wanted to let into my environment. That's what got in. Mm. Um, and it was, and I can see that now. And it's, it's very strange, especially now, now that I'm out, um, I'm about two years out and I, I developed this unbelievable interest in science that I, and I had no idea just how little I knew about science and the outside world in general. It's it's pathetic, but um, yeah, it was it was very very isolated, very strange. What sparked this interest in science? Uh, I'd have to say the internet. Um, I, I I'll qualify that with I think that I've always had an interest in science. I just didn't know it. Um, well, what, let me ask you first before we get into that. What what were you taught uh, as, as far as science goes when you were growing up being homeschooled? Well, being homeschooled, I didn't really, as far as I can recall, I didn't really learn any science. Um, I didn't have science class, hard science, doing any kind of biology or anything about evolution or, um, you know, the Big Bang or any of that. If I learned any of that, it came from television, came from PBS. Um, but I don't even remember having it on TV. I do recall seeing maybe a dinosaur book with, um, I forget the name of, of the dinosaur, but uh, the one that, that, that they found with feathers, you know. Um, and my, my mom would say, oh, you know, they just put that one in there. That They don't know if that one really existed. <laughs> <laughs> so even even my information from books and, and whatnot was controlled, and I just bought into it. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I had that that you know, willingness to believe whatever was told me that, that was in the rest of my family was, was in my blood as well. And I just, I just bought it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my information was very controlled. I didn't have a lot of exposure to science. Uh, uh, and, and, but hilariously, um, the religion likes to, to claim it's, it, 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 that they are in line with science, that they believe in the Bible and therefore they do believe in science because, God created nature. God created everything around us. And it's, it's ludicrous because they don't believe in evolution, which, I mean, cuts out a, a giant chunk of science. And if you're not going to believe in that, then what do you believe in? What, what are you going to, what else are you going to cut out? Um, oddly, they don't believe in a young earth. I mean, I, the fossil record, they say, is accurate until it comes to things like human fossils, which they say are fraught with uh, mistakes because of carbon dating. Carbon dating is inaccurate, they say. It's, it's, it's just so strange. And it, it just to, to pick and choose what you want to believe, I, I never really questioned it for most of my life. And then as I started getting older, like I said, I, I found the Internet. Um, it's not that I really looked at anything to question Jehovah's Witness teachings on the Internet, but I started learning little bits here and there about science. Mm-hmm. And I would reject the idea of evolution. I would, I would reject the idea that, um, you know, uh, of the Big Bang and, and you know, cosmologists, uh, theories of cosmologists and things like that. Uh, I would just write it off. And I don't know. It just became harder and harder to keep my head in the sand. And pretty soon I started getting curious and started reading about science. And um, 
still still rejected evolution. I mean, I, I'm I'm a new convert to evolution, fairly new. I mean, o- over the last year, I'd say is when I finally decided to really start researching it and realized, okay, there's there's absolutely no denying this. Well, there um, there are plenty of of faiths that accept evolution. I think you know the the biggest one being the Catholic Church. Their official doctrine is that evolution is real. I think that they're they're teaching on it. I could be wrong about the subtleties of this, but uh, basically the teaching is that. Uh, what science says about evolution is 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 true, uh, but this is all sort of guided by God or, or or allowed by the virtue of God. So they they fit it into the faith. But I take it Jehovah's Witnesses uh, are not as metaphorical in their teaching or in their thinking. Oh, in many ways they're very fundamentalist. Um, I, which so you find that you know the the teaching of evolution and and Big Bang and all this is vehemently rejected by any kind of fundamentalist religion. And in that respect, Jehovah's Witnesses are very fundamentalist. They interpret what they want out of the Bible as literal and the other portions of it as uh, prophetic. And when it comes to things like 144,000, they say that there's a literal 144,000 people that are going to be resurrected into heaven. Um, But when it comes to the, like say the, the rivers of the, the, rivers of life or the tree of life, the tree of knowledge um, that's talked about springing up in uh, the paradisaic earth, at least in the Jehovah's Witness translation of the Bible, New World Translation, that's what you'll find. Um, they say that this is figurative. So they'll take something out of Revelation that is something like a number. They'll say, this is literal. They'll take something just as wacky, just as ridiculous, and say, this is figurative. It's just they bend it to whatever they need, whatever they want. Wow, it's 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 bizarre, and it leads to kind of a, a crisis of faith. Um, you're going, you're going to start to wonder, you know, why is it that we believe? You know, going back to science, actually, back that up. If you go back to scientific teachings, why is it that we believe um, that dinosaurs existed? That the dating on the Earth is accurate? that the size of the universe is correct, but we don't believe in evolution. It, 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 so so you, that, that same mindset, that, that weird questioning that I finally kicked in, I guess critical thinking finally kicked in with me, I, the same thing was applied to how they justify interpretations of the Bible when it comes to, like I said, the, the bits in Revelation that they want to interpret as literal or figurative. Well, let's go back to... Um to this, this pseudoscience that you were brought up with, this this doctor that you had. Um, just growing up with somebody like that and going to a chiropractor that's prescribing homeopathic remedies, um, does that put you in a position to where you can sympathize with people that you meet today who believe in that sort of thing and, and practice that sort of thing? Um, do you have any sort of encounters with those types of people and, and how do you handle them? Uh, when you say practice, you mean chiropractors or homeopaths well not necessarily talking to people who are chiropractors or homeopaths but people who practice in that they they regularly go to those types of people and they regularly take that kind of of treatment well quite frankly i don't run into a lot of those people um (laughs) i don't i my my friend base has shrunk quite a bit as of late um so i I mean thinking about it though I, i can do a little thought experiment and um it's hard to sympathize with that, honestly. Um, if somebody is, well, I'm going to contradict myself. I do go both ways on this. 
I, let's take my parents as an example. Um, I definitely sympathize with them. I sympathize with my family because I feel like they've been completely misled and that they've unfortunately been trained to be gullible, essentially. Um, so if I were to run into other people that believe this sort of thing, yeah, I, I, I suppose I'm, I'm one, in one way I would feel kind of bad for them and, and maybe want to teach them or you know tell them what I've learned or that sort of thing. I mean, I absolutely want to do that. The problem is, though, that most of the people that are out there that I've encountered with this mindset have no desire to change whatsoever. And again, using my family for an example, I've had multiple conversations with my mother about homeopathy, um, and she just will shut me down. I have the same conversations with other people in my family, and they shut me down. I, I, I mean, it's it's bizarre. I, I'm not even talking about the religion at this point, which they're not allowed to discuss um, outside thoughts, basically, on their religion. I'm talking about homeopathy in this part, in this, at this point, and I don't understand why I'm unable to get through to them to say, look, this is how homeopathy is made. Here's a video on it. You know, I sh- I've, sh- I've tried to show them um, some videos that, that uh, James Randi has put out on the internet that explain how homeopathy is made, homeopathic medicine is made, rather, and I, I, they don't even want to see it. I mean, they say, oh, I already know how it's made. My mom said, oh, I've seen it work on me. I know how it's, I, I, I already know it works. That's how I know it works. I've seen it work. So it's, it's very hard to reason with them, which makes it very hard to be sympathetic at the same time. Mm. But I, I know that I need to, I, that's something I'm going to have to learn to fight through. I, I'm, like I said, I'm newly newly converted out of this. So my, my passion runs high <laughs> I, and I want to, I want to argue. Um, but really I, I am finding that that's not the way to get through to people. Um, attacking them, you know, I, I've read things about militant atheism and I, I just, quite frankly, I disagree with it. I think that, um, something, there's something to be said for rational, uh, thought and rational speaking to people. I know it worked on me. Well, I hope you're able to to work through all of that with your family, and that uh, and that you're not completely cut off from them for being a a non Jehovah's Witness who watches the occasional vampire thing. Yeah, well, honestly, I I can explain that to you too if you'd like. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I am kind of cut off. Um, I do talk to my mother on and off, but I mean, like I said, I was always extremely close with my family, uh, with my mom, my dad, my sister. Um, I had a conversation with my sister. Not too long ago, actually, um, just a couple months ago, I think, uh, I believe it was, and we were on the phone, and she said to me, uh, you know, you have to know that my relationship with God, my relationship with Jehovah, she says, is the most important thing in my life, and I won't let anything get between myself and him, even if it's you. And I was like, wait, you're telling me that you're going to cut me off, I'm your flesh and blood brother we were best friends growing up and you're not going to have anything to do with me simply because i no longer believe in what in what we grew up with and she's like yeah i i mean this is this is this is what you face this is i've seen it with multiple people i've been in the reverse situation i've cut other people off uh i had an aunt who um turned out was uh she she realized she was a lesbian she left the organization um she eventually died and this is somebody that i was extremely close with but i when she left i cut her off i had no contact with her for years um it's it's an awful awful thing 
disfellowshipping and the shunning is. Um, and, and the same thing is happening with my parents now at this point. Uh, I, I do talk to my mother slightly, but she's in the wrong for doing it, technically in the wrong, you know, with the religion. Um, my, my father is an elder in the congregation. He's, that's, that's somebody that's basically one of the, you know, leaders. They don't, they call them, they don't call them leaders, but he is. Um, and so he has even less contact with me. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, it's just a sad thing. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for talking to me today and, uh, hopefully some people might hear your story and, uh, and get some comfort or some inspiration from it. Thank you. Well, that's all the time we have. Consequences produced by me, Brian Thompson, for the James Randi Educational Foundation. To find out more about the JREF's mission of promoting critical thinking and scientific skepticism, visit randy.org. We'll talk to you again next time on Consequence. Consequence.